Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 23 of season 3. I'm Joshua Buckley. Paul LePage still has a hangover from Saturday's game and is unable to make it. So Alex Patakis, our great producer in New York, he is joining me as co-host today. How's it going, Alex? Uh, it's going real, real well. Real See, this well. is the importance of squad depth. One man goes down, <laughs> the other one pops back up. So there you go, Alex. You're on the two deep. Does that feel good? Uh, it does, especially after I almost got uh, transferred away to the Chelsea podcast uh, last week, I think. Uh, I would never allow it. In, in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> I would never allow it. And joining us again from Tennessee Wolves, one of our favorites, Mr. Justin Buznado. How's it going? Doing well, doing well. I think we should all be on a hangover like Paul after that game. So um, I feel in it too. Good for him. <laughs> I will say I, I find it interesting. Um, today is the Adama stands uh, episode. Uh, yep. You know the three big Adama fans, and our boy got an assist. <laughs> uh, a lot of should've other great two. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah he should have had two. That's right. But yeah. Klopp said none of them count, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> <laughs> what a game Saturday! It was two nil before you even finishing your coffee. 3-0 win over Liverpool. Klopp thinks they won 1-0. I don't know whatever his deal is. Guys, that was fun. And it felt so sweet sticking it to those assholes. Didn't it, Alex? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was pretty much the um, perfect game that you could imagine. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what my favorite part of the game in the day was and it's really hard to single one thing out i mean you have dawson making his debut who's known for scoring on set pieces he absolutely <laughs> rockets one in the back of the net um and gets a goal in his debut you have neves uh doing his celebration and reminding the world that it's his celebration and not marcus rashford's celebration you have the team basically just toying with Liverpool for the last two to three minutes of the game and Molyneux just applauding them the entire way. Like, <laughs> and you know, everything that happened in between all those moments was also just pure and utter dominance from, from wolves. I mean, the national pundits will make it a story about Liverpool and how they lacked intensity and how they have guys hurt and how they're kind of in a rough spot right now. But at the end of the day, um, not any team would have shown up and done that to you're in Klopp's Liverpool. And um, the crowd was into it. Everybody showed up. It's almost impossible to pick a man of the match because they were all so good. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a payoff for pretty much everything that's happened since last February. I remember going to Molyneux last February for the first time, and they lost to Arsenal. When they, If they would have won, they would have gone to fourth. And everything since then was just a downhill slide. That's right. And it felt like on Saturday that we turned a corner and – now we're going in a serious direction with a guy in charge who knows what he's doing and a squad that's really deep. So, um, yeah, it's a miracle we're not all hungover and missing this podcast, <laughs> to be honest, because we have every reason to celebrate. I I tweeted after, well, it was right before the end of the game, which uh, Joe, too, who's a regular on the podcast, was like, you delete this right now. And then they scored the third goal. So it was over. But... I really do. I like you're saying, I feel that was the game. That was the game right there where the Wolves season completely changed. And I feel more that we're not going to get relegated as opposed to we are. Do you feel that way too, Justin? 
I feel good. I don't think I feel that good yet because, and here's, here's my thing. I think if that's our turn, the corner, we have the blinker on and we're at the stop sign. Like these next games are games after a Mm -hmm. performance like that. You should put teams away and that will create separation and points from the bottom. If we can get through the next two or three with a good amount of points and play well consistently, then that corner's there for me. And, and I, I feel like I'm Debbie Downer on here after the two of you intro here. But I'm so excited. It's so good. I felt like that was so – that was due, man. After the two Liverpool matches before, the replay and all the shenanigans, like all that stuff, um, I felt like that was so due and it was so fun. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm like – I'm re- my blinker's on, man, and I'm ready to turn. I just – they just need to not slide against teams at the bottom of the table – that they should put away. And if they can do that, like, and I was funny, I was thinking that right before that game, I was like, if they could just somehow pull this thing out and get three points in this game, there's, there's, there's a, like a downhill path that you're going to, that you can take to, to really free it up. And then at that point it builds momentum and all that stuff. And that's a great call, Alex, from last year, the, the Arsenal match and how it's been like a full year because it was that really turned the point in the season and everything just went downhill from there. And that's, that's a great call out on that too. So. Yeah, so that that's where I am. I'm my blinkers on. I'm so ready to turn. We just need one or two more to like punch it through, and I'm there. Well, Lopetegui after the Man City game said, "Hey, this was on me. I had a horrible plan out there. Uh, that was not the case this weekend. <laughs> Boy, the the lineup he put out there, putting Dawson over Collins, bold choice." Uh, Sarabia, I don't think was as bold a choice. And then the way he lo- used Mario Lamina in a deeper midfield role allowed Neves to basically wreck havoc everywhere. I mean, Alex, that was just genius managing, I felt like. Yeah, I completely agree. And I actually, you know, because it was so good, I don't often rewatch parts of Wolves <laughs> games because a lot of times they're painful. I went back and rewatched the first about 30 minutes because I wanted to see like were they as dominant as I thought and they absolutely were. Um and I think it was, you know, playing Lamina in the role that he was in. He he covered so much ground in that game. He won so many balls back for them every time Liverpool was um looking like they could be a threat. And you know, him being put in the lineup and allowing Nevis to advance, like that's a tactical decision and then uh what he did with Matthias Nunes, like it, there were times that if you were just looking at it when in, you know, in possession, Wolves almost looked like they were back in that four, four, two, two or a four, four, two or four, four, one, one, which they employed against Liverpool. The first time they scored three goals against them. And the third one didn't count. This is the second time they scored three and according to clap, the third doesn't count. Um, <laughs> except this time it was Matthias who was basically just pinning Trent Alexander Arnold back and Dave Edwards, who I think was on the comms, uh, called that out immediately and he said like you know this is a, a very pointed tactical decision from Lopetegui and Klopp has no answer for it like that's the thing is you know everyone knows what Liverpool is they're a team that advances the ball up the field with their fullbacks who are two of the best chance creators in the past three four years that we've seen in the Premier League um, Lopetegui made sure that you know, that hasn't been the case lately but he made sure that it absolutely was not going to be the case against Wolves and Matthias kind of out on that left side in an advanced role while it's not his natural position. It worked like a charm. So, um, yeah, man, he nailed it. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to sound too positive. I think Justin is right about, you know, like, you know, it's, it's got it. You got to bury other teams now that look like they're ripe for the taking. But the fact that 
um, Lopetegui just completely outmatched Klopp, who resorted to basically making excuses and you know making shit up afterwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that that feels good to have that manager of that team basically just like flailing and and trying to say something that you know to to cover his team's ass after after that beating. <laughs> Justin, it's- what do you think? Lopetegui told these guys when he came in that has got everybody to buy in. I mean, you have guys that, you know, had no desire to play defense that are running on a press now. Um, There seems to be so much better communication, like besides his gentle stroke of the hands on their face and shoulders, (laughs) what has he told them to get on there? I I wonder, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I think it's a change of scenery. I think, I, I don't know. I was just Bruno a downer. Like, I, you know what I mean? I think it's, it's just that I say like manager bounce. Cause I think it's more than that. I think it's a culture mm-hmm. change um, to your point. And so, I, don't, I mean, think of, think of like Huang, like what he's pulled out the last several matches too. And it really stuck to watch him go down, um, unfortunately, but, but those guys who you, you kind of like we signed that guy for a reason, right? You saw something in him, and and you were there were flashes of it. But to start building consistency within there, I think it's I think it's just an approach. And obviously, without being in that back room and on the on the training pitch and stuff, like you know, I don't know. But it's, I think it's just it's the change of face, and I think there's got to be a totally different approach in that room and what he asks of of the players to come out of it. Uh, that's that's my best guess at it. What was your favorite part of the game? Um, I'm gonna say two parts. Um, because I like Alex, I actually went back and, and rewatched. Um, and the my first part was in the beginning of the match when Wolves like running on the front foot aside, when Liverpool had the ball, their shots in those first 30, 40 minutes were the edge of the box outside. There was nothing good. They just sailed over and, and the crowd let them know it every time, which I loved. But they, they weren't getting anything decent in. And I think – I don't recall a time that I feel like the Wolves have been that tight when they have been defending, and, and they just couldn't work into anything. Um, and then the other time was was at the end when they were just playing with them back and forth, and the crowd got into it. I Like, mm-hmm. I, I laughed out loud when I was watching that again today, uh, when I was watching the match and stuff. I loved that so much. It's just – it sucks to say, but we're not used to being in that situation. And then especially in that situation against, like, a top six club, you know, something like that. And for it to be at home was real nice. And so that was probably my, my real favorite part, but I enjoyed just, just watching another team struggle to break through and break in. And and like, it feels like we've done for so long. So I enjoyed that part too. So I was watching that third goal and, you know, Adama, great play, great pass to Neves in there. I thought Neves was going to bobble it at first. There I was like, (laughs) Oh no, but he, he slide it home. I watched just Adama on there. After he makes the pass to Neves, he starts walking to the byline. <laughs> and he kind of, he's looking back just to make sure Neves scores. And when Neves gets control of the ball, he raises his hands. <laughs> it was totally the Lane Kiffin signaling touchdown before the ball's even been thrown. Just good stuff. Before it happened. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Such a good pass. Wow, man. That it run really in the pass was. was so nice. Oh, did you think Raul was going to slot that fourth one, Alex? Yeah, man. What? Just shoot. There's a couple of those, man. There was a couple late. He came on and looked actually 
aside from being completely gun shy, good otherwise. Like getting into decent positions, I don't know why the man won't shoot, but I thought Adama would have had two assists for mm-hmm. sure. And whoever told Adama, if it is Lopetegui, you can you can do a low cross. It doesn't have to be skied <laughs> into the air. It's like unlocking like a brand new element to a player. It's like that ball to Neves is like one. He, he probably could have played so many other times in the past. And granted, Wolves weren't really getting guys into the box in the past that much. But, um, you know, sometimes it's easier to not have it uh, sail into the stands when you just keep it on the pretty much on the ground to begin with. So I'm very excited about uh, about what I'm seeing from from our guy. So we've been bringing up Klopp. He said after the after the match, people look at the end result and think Wolves were value for three uh, nil. Liverpool were, were poor, but that's not the case. Wolves are better in the first 12 minutes and maybe the last 10, but we didn't finish situations off. We had plenty of chances in possession. And then doubled down further and said the third goal, I don't count it because it was the first time they passed the halfway line in the second half. The other two goals going into a game, with all the we said during the week and before the game, then that's a horrible start. This motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still angry about that. It's like, how can you watch that game? Like you guys said you watched it again. How can you watch that game and go, yeah, we lost 3-0, but honestly, we were only outpaid the first 10 minutes and maybe the last 10. Like what? How angry! I mean, I feel like if Bruno Lodge had said that, Alex, like we would be just massacring him right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean. Like I, I think he's just. I, I think Klopp is just saying things because he doesn't know how to like stop this slide that Liverpool is on, and he's really just grasping at straws here. And he's, you know, I, I like what else is he supposed to say? I guess just it would be nice if he could have just admit what what actually happened, and it's that Liverpool probably played well for a fraction of the game, the first 15 minutes of the second half, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to look at it from a Wolves perspective, I think it's really encouraging that they survived that pressure up to nil with Liverpool actually dominating and and Wolves struggling to get out of their own half. It's like, like Justin was saying, the quality of chances still necessarily weren't great on Liverpool's front. So yes, they did kind of come out, you know, in the second half um, energize and, you know, had their own little onslaught, but it didn't really result in anything. So that that's another thing that was really exciting and to see Wolves kind of band together and to see, you know, Cunha coming back and defending. I think Neves had, um, you know, was in like the top five or so of uh, the league in blocks and clearances this week. Kilman, I think, led the league. Um, so they were defending their asses off. And that was um, that was really encouraging. Actually, I don't know if he led the league. I know he led the other 14. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the big six, but I, I, I don't remember anyone at Man City. I mean, a, a impressive performance uh and they're lost to spurs so top six my my ass can you imagine <laughs> having kevin de bruyne on your roster and not starting him like that just blows my mind <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, for tactical that's... reasons i don't know what that tactic is but <laughs> justin uh like alex was talking about the first 15 minutes of the second half it was like oh this is gonna be a long half and then Lopetegui, again, he's reading the situation and makes changes. Like, this is just a novel concept for a manager to make changes when things are looking a little dicey. I I, I had that literally that note from it that he saw how things were going and, and ch- made the changes. Yeah, and I think that's something um, Bruno certainly doesn't do. Um, you know, and I'm not to, not to 
keep dogpiling on him. But you know, it just, oh, we, just we have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's just not something he would have done. And and it's great. He saw he saw the pressure and also say it's bullshit that we didn't get across the line because I was rewatching for that today too. We got across the line before that goal. Um, so whatever clock. Um, but you know, it's it's yeah, I, that's actually one of the things I loved about it too, is that that he made that change. And I think, you know, he, the only reason uh Dama went there before was playing and I think going down and stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it had probably been a late change too. But but they held so firm on that. And to be fair, you know, A to what what Klopp said, if probably anybody other than him or Pep say that, they are getting hammered in the media, right? For just mm-hmm. give me a break, watch the match guys. But the other part of that too is is I would expect most clubs, especially Liverpool, down 2-0 to come out firing the first 15, right? So, like, that, that to me, that's expected. And to, to Alex's point, I think that's indicative of how well they played because that other team, the other team's going to take their shots, and that's exactly what they did. They withstood, you know, and then leveled the game back off and actually put it away, you know, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later. So I think that's a testament. And again, it adds to what how well they played the entire match. I think another thing, yeah. Justin, that I like about Lopetegui is that, you know, even when Nuno was here, when they were struggling to score and stuff, he was always like, oh, we got to find solutions. We got to find solutions. Lopetegui against Man City, he came out and said, hey, I made the wrong decisions. I made the the wrong tactical decisions. And then this game, when he should be like, hell yeah, motherfuckers, <laughs> let's go. I, I, you know, instead, he credited the fans. He said the energy mm-hmm. from the fans was key for us today. We're going to need them through the good and bad until the very end. And that's a manager you can get behind, right? <laughs> Multiple times he said stuff like that, right? Like either in advance of need the fans, but after the fact saying like, credit to the fans they brought us the energy and they brought us the support that that drove us out on the on the field that day so yeah not certainly not the first time he's made a positive call out to the fans like that and it's just it's fun you wish you were there to hear that type of atmosphere in person right but even hearing that loud and clear on tv is fun alex did you wear the turtleneck on saturday no but i wish i would have um (laughs) honestly because it it did feel like a little bit of a lopetegui master class to some degree (laughs) Um, but I did change the luck on my uh wolves like warm up uh fleece pullover, so I'm happy to keep rocking with that one for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so a little bit of good news there after this week's results. Uh, Opta Analyst came out with predicted final league positions. Wolves, they have only a 10.5% chance of finishing in the bottom three. Alex over under buying ten point five percent. Um, I well, is it under if I say that? Wait, hold on, I'm a little confused. Yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> I clarify. Too. Yeah, I, I should clarify. <laughs> okay, are you buying the ten point five percent chance? Or are you saying uh there the the chance of safety is a little bit less than I? 80, I think 85. it. Uh, yeah, I will. I'll buy that. That's a. If I if I were guessing what the I had to assign a percentage to, that I would say that that's probably right about where it is. And I think to Justin's point earlier, I think two weeks from now that could absolutely change if they just win against the bottom two teams in the league or the next two you know fixtures that they have. 
then I'll feel really good. Injuries are always a thing. Um, although I will say I feel a lot better about the squad depth. I think there are very few guys on the team now that I feel like they wouldn't be able to survive and stay in the Premier League if they lose them. Uh, I will not name them because I don't want to jinx anybody. Um, but I think we know one of them. He is our king, and it's his celebration. Uh, but he's probably the only one um, that I could really think of right now. So I, they really should stay up. You know, they're deep now. I, I mean, if you want to just a testament to their depth, I know this is heavily influenced by injuries that Liverpool have too. They have a lot of issues. But our bench options were also way better than theirs. Like when Lopetegui makes a decision to go to the bench to change the game, the fact that a club like Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp don't even have that ability and they're instead bringing in like 37-year-old James Milner and 32-year-old <laughs> Jordan Henderson, who I think have both seen better days. Like, you know what I mean? Like that that's that's kind of crazy. That's a far cry from the Fosin and Wolves that we were talking about before where like their only bench player was Joe Hodge. Like it's like, like who the hell was that guy anyway? Um so yeah, that I was feel... just back in November too. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like ago, all, yeah, all of a sudden, and that's without Zhao Gomez even being in game shape yet, right? So they're they're only theoretically going to get deeper. Um, Pedro Neto is going to be out of that mix. We might talk about that a little bit later. So ten percent, sure, I'll take it, but um, it it's it could be much lower in you know two weeks from now. So I'm looking forward to continuing to see those metrics. Do you think that 10% Justin is fair? 10.5%? I I'm I'm still on the same page here. I think I, uh, we need more points first. I think I think it's a little low, you know, with these next two teams if we can legitimately pull six points out of that, have three in a row, even even four points to keep momentum if, you know, we were to we were to draw with somebody. But yeah, um if if talk to in two weeks if we're there then I feel like that 10% is probably close. Because we'll have a little bit of run after that of a couple of teams, I think that are obviously going to be a little more challenging. So, but we need we need we need more points in the next two matches. Well, let's talk uh talk about a couple of the new guys. Craig Dawson, Justin, does he stay in the lineup and does he stay partnered with Kilman? I like that matchup. I I don't know. I get maybe I you know I I'm certainly not the the expert, but I felt like I know we got some good press, but I felt like Collins had struggled a little bit. There were just some moments the last few matches were Collins that had just kind of a little flub, something where he did some good stuff too. But the way Dawson played, I mean, and to score, I, I mean, right guy, he was at the right place at the right time for that, but he seems to be that guy sometimes, right? Um, you know, I I like the the pairing of them together. I thought it did well. So I think he stays in for now. I like it. I know Alex is all on the Dawson train. <laughs> Well, yeah, last week I wasn't necessarily, and I was wondering, like, why is everyone saying this guy's automatically slotting in? But, um, I mean, even the goal aside, you kind of have to say, like, it would be silly to break up that pairing now. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought he looked really good defensively. He certainly looked like a vocal leader, which a lot of people said that he was. Mm -hmm. And I don't know enough, like, about the sport and the way it works, but... I would venture to guess that having a guy like with the experience of Collins next to him might've been a reason why Kilman had what I felt like was another really great game and kind of restoring him back to that form where you were looking at him like, how was that not got, that guy not in the England team? Um, 
So I feel like you have to ride the hot hand and, and if they're both comfortable and both playing well with each other, I feel like you, you gotta, you gotta keep it for now. Justin, I think Sarabia is, is definitely uh, one of the first guys you write in, but with Huang hurt, who starts in his place? Would it be potent or Adama? I think, I think Lopetegui loves bringing in Adama later to put pressure um and as that boost so i would i would think potence would probably make more sense as a start and then you sub them out um it just seems to use them tactically more that way thus far i agree alex yeah i i think so i i think adama's kind of super sub role is has been working out recently so i think you gotta gotta stay with that i'm pretty upset about huang uh missing time just when i feel like he found really good form from the world cup onward. Um, I thought he was really good on Saturday and just, just a one note I had made just to make mention of, um, you know, when you watch a game like that and you see how fluid that the front three, the attackers look all of a sudden having a quote unquote true number nine, doesn't feel like as big of a necessity. I thought that Sarabia, Huang, Cunha all kind of looked interchangeable. All were creating Mm -hmm. chances all were making good runs. Um, I thought Sarabia played a couple of balls that, you know, they didn't necessarily result in assists because the matchup on goal uh, wiped that out. And then I think Nori had a chance on a through ball from him. Like they, they all looked really energetic and really good. And um, yeah, I just keep going back to that thing that Paul said last week about uh, if Lopetegui thought that a true number nine was what they needed and that somebody putting the chances away was the problem rather than the chance creation, um, then he would have went out and got that. So I just mentioned that because um, I hope who, if, you know with Huang coming out and Podence coming in, they don't miss a beat because I thought the three of them together looked really good. And Lopetegui dropped a little bit of a nugget that Neto's not that far away. Yeah. So Ooh. that could be, that could be exciting. I know. Jeez. <laughs> that could be exciting as well. And then I think Lamina... For sure, with Neves and Nunes, uh, I think that's a for sure pairing from now on. You agree, Justin? Yeah, he was fun to watch. Um, he really I, is, man. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was marking Salah a bit sometimes, and he was pretty physical with him, which you know I really, really enjoyed watching that. And he just he was just messing with him. I know there was that one couple times in the box he was doing that. And there was that one time Salah kind of had a chance, and and he kind of stepped out, stepped back in, and kind of just I don't think he got his foot on the ball, but he like got enough in the way that he sailed it over the goal. Um, and I, it was just fun to really watch him just kind of bounce around and he was real active. So yeah, I think he certainly brought some energy getting in there and mixing it up. Alex, I think what's interesting is we thought, you know, Neves, even when Lamina came in was still going to do the dirty work and it was flipped. It was actually Lamina that was doing all the dirty work and allowed Neves to just go where he wanted kind of a interesting choice and a, pleasant surprise huh yeah definitely um nevis has shown that he can be a guy who does the dirty work plenty and he's always pressing and he's he's really good at that but we've never really you know because of the makeup of the team almost the entire time he's been here we've never seen what he can do with a little bit more freedom and with the ability to kind of get forward and uh so far so good you know the goals we remember from nevis are always from outside the box but um (laughs) This this one uh, clear chance from inside. 
uh, will be memorable for a for a long time. And but I it didn't count, if, Alex. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, it, it only counts if you uh, dominate the entire half. One thing that makes me sad about it though is that like if you know Lamina is like taking the Neves role, does that make it easier for Neves to then just go like? You know, like Lamina is already the Neves replacement as Neves is in the lineup. I, it kind of made me sad. I was thinking about that because seeing Lamina kind of drop back and sometimes play between the two central defenders, I'm used to seeing number eight there, but instead I saw five with the platinum hair and the thunder thighs. <laughs> and I was like, is that our future? Because he's great. I love him, but ah, uh, man, I, I just, I just keep thinking about Neves and then, you know, how many more games of this we get because Mm-hmm. He just provides so many moments that just feel so special for this club. Yeah, and then we we have uh Yao Gomez too. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting. I think Justin I think Neves, he's gonna go somewhere like Barcelona, but I think ultimately he's just gonna be a another guy kind of there, don't you think? I mean, not saying he's not gonna be good, but he's not gonna be like the cult hero that he is here. No, I, yeah, I don't think so. I think he's he's just special to the club for what he's what he's been through with the club and what they've done, right? And then, yeah, to Alex, your point, it's his his memorable goals are mostly bangers, just crazy shots from somewhere and and at the right time and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think anytime you work your way through and and go through the ebbs and flows to to celebrate and win and and achieve new things with the club, you're going to be kind of memorialized for that. And he's going to go there and he'll be good. He's great. Right. But he's just, he's not going to live through that kind of legacy. He'll always kind of, he'll always kind of be a, you know, um, a, one of the wolves players. I think it's the way he'll always get looked at. But to your point, yeah, I, it's sad. It sucks to think that I think they even called on the broadcast, but it's kind of an, an inevitable thing with contracts, people that bring it in and all that kind of stuff too. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna go nuts here the last you know two and a half three months of the season. Um, if he does free up his, his kind of role in what he's done, and then he's gonna he's gonna get real hot right at the end, which is great for us. Let's write it. Yeah, you know, that's gonna happen. So I'm not mad about that, but um, maybe have a proper send off that way. I don't know. Yeah. All right, guys, we've talked a lot about this game, but any final thoughts that we haven't gone over, Alex, that you have about this game? Um. Uh, not really just that um you know i think i think that every you know there's it, every season like has what feels like it's pivotal moment and i really thought ours was gonna um be one that like doomed us to relegation and i just feel like <laughs> that i i have changed my tune on that uh so much so i feel so good um yeah, I, I think we hit it all. It was just what felt like a perfect day. I, literally the only thing that could have made it better is if somehow after the game, like they just announced a Nevis extension, which is totally unrealistic. <laughs> so otherwise, all good things happened. Only good or things Or an Adama happened. extension so I could... Yeah, <laughs> so we could get the, we could get Justin, the hair Justin, will you dye your hair uh, blonde with me if Adama signs an extension? Yeah. I can't. It's not gonna do me any good. Yeah, I could pull some call from, from photos from college where I did that once and made that mistake. So, you know, I don't. I don't think what I've left would really matter that much. <laughs> How about we just have you get uh, dreads? That work? There, yeah. There we go. I can do something like that. Well, <laughs> I can do something with my beard. How about yeah, that. <laughs> you. 
All right, now we look ahead to the Southampton game on Saturday. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. And joining us from In That Number podcast is Tim Bizantz. How's it going, Tim? As we look ahead, are you actually looking ahead? Like, how are, why? Like, what are we looking for? Are you looking for a train wreck? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You guys are Wolves fans and not Southampton fans. So, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's how life is going on over here. Uh, sitting at the bottom of the, the table right now, uh, facing <laughs> relegation. So I feel like I'm kind of guessing the answer to the first question here, which on a scale of one to 10, what's the level of concern for relegation amongst the fans? So um, I, I was talking about it and uh, this, so this, this morning our, our cast came up, uh, I was talking with, uh, with Ray uh, on it yesterday. So we were looking at the seven stages of grief and everyone is a little bit di- at a different level. <laughs> <laughs> so stage three is anger and i'm not quite there yet um i'm i've gotten past denial so i think it's like st- stage two at this moment and i have to look it up rem- just to remember correctly um but so when you're when you're looking at it um like i don't know like is it mourning and your sadness but no really <laughs> Uh, pain it's just pain at this point it's just pain <laughs> guilt I don't think it's really guilt but it's just there's just pain in my life and it's not fun uh, not a fan to fully answer your question <laughs> it's uh it's it's probably for me it's a nine uh this past week was really the 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 end it was I would say the end was the last real hope and chance and Surprisingly enough, it was also because of Everton getting and signing Sean Dyche. And when you're at that low in the table, you are looking at the people around you to see where everybody else is at. And are you one of the three worst teams in the league? And we are absolutely one of the three worst teams in the league. So... It knocks Everton out with Sean Dyche, who's going to give them the promise and opportunity to keep them up. I think Bournemouth is uh, is dead in the water alongside us. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, who, who are you going to fight? What's going to happen? I mean, we threw tons of money this off this off season and even in the January window. But nothing looks promising at the moment. You know, though, a few short weeks ago, Wolves were there. Right, and we're not that we're not that far clear. Like <laughs> you're talking, like we we haven't been close to that. We were we were the bottom of the table a few weeks ago. So there's hope, and you're there you're a hope. win away, man. So you know, mm-hmm. not all doom and gloom. We we all felt that way for a while, and probably mm-hmm. still do apprehend. Still, still, so, a little, you know, still, a little try to give you yeah. a little silver lining, Tim. <laughs> Yeah, Tim, I feel yes, like you're setting but... us up for uh for a nice uh, two nil Southampton victory. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. So, uh, I think I think Lopetegui was was great to get you out and to be able to allow you to be safe. Now, what position were you going to be at? Where will you end up this season? Um, you'll be safe now. Uh, you know, mid table somewhere around like eleventh, twelfth, or something like that. That seems plausible or likely. Um, maybe even thirteenth or something like that. Um, they'll scrape by and what was probably, you know, a, a not so good start to the first half of the season. Um, <clears throat> started really bad with, uh, is it pronounced Kalisadech? 
I can't pronounce, I forget his name, the, uh, your striker that you played for one half and then is out for the rest of the season. Uh, we, who he's tore big his, sa- we call him big sassy big, or, uh, big. um, special K. Yeah. Yeah, Special we, K. Uh, Sa- um, I think it's Sa- is it Sasa is his actual yeah. first name. Yep. Yeah, yeah Sasa. Sasa. It, and so he tore, you know, he tore, he tore his ACL halfway through, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, oof, oh, that's not that's not good. Your brand new signing uh, is is out. Um, but we signed a number ideal. of players too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So Lopetegui gave Wolves a a major boost. Do you, mm-hmm. is there like a, re, is there, you know, uh, a rescue lever you could pull and a guy that you can hire and will Nathan Jones be managing the team? Like after Saturday, this guy seems incredibly unlikable and doesn't want to be <laughs> accountable for anything that's happening at Southampton. So where are you at on him? And do you think he'll be around much longer? The likelihood of him making it to March at this current pace is... I mean, it's probably above 75% chance that he will not make it to March at the current pace. I mean, actually, take that back. It's 100% chance that he's going to not make it to March at the current pace. It's a 75% chance that whatever threshold or taking giving any odds that he'll make it to March. Um, I think that he... So let's take, a, let's take a look back at where he comes from. So he made two stints at Luton and which he was able to bring them from League Two, uh, downtrodden League Two, all the way up to what was the playoffs last year. And he had a small blip where he went over to Stoke City. And once again, that was just a complete failure. He circled back, came right back to Luton, and, and picked up the pieces right where he left off and allowed the opportunity to mold and play with and play I guess the setup that he would he would want and knowingly facing the opposition and can do what would be maybe the back against the wall or the odds are not going to be in your favor. So when he comes to Southampton, you would think that uh, with backing, he's going to be able to be moldable. Uh, he's going to be able to work with us. And you think he would be like that. You know, we're thinking, okay, we're going to get 15th place out of this and he's just going to continue on and he's not going to be anything as a success. But uh, he's been an, he's been close to, if not an abject failure. There was three games in a row that he did win. Uh, that are, one of which was a Premier League game. Uh, the other was the FA Cup against Crystal Palace. And the, 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 uh, the other one with that was the Manchester City game, which was the only game that he actually looked good, truly looked good in. Um, and that was a 2-0 defeat. And that's just as much as Nathan Jones looked good. Uh, Pep looked like shit. So <laughs> I, I mean, the two two goals in which, and it was a it was a fully deserved win at that. And we're all like, "Woo, three goals! You know, our three wins in a row. Yeah, we'll take it. This is going to be great." And he's been he's been back to being a failure ever since. Um, you're right that he does not take um, ownership of what he says. Everything is somebody else's fault, and. I feel that he's just a pissy little bitch that needs to work his way back into what he is good at and sh- it, and do his job and shut his mouth. And as, if he shuts his mouth, people might like him a little bit more and give him maybe a couple more weeks. But at this current rate, um, you know, he's refer if, in, you know, 
the idea that he refers to them as they, it's him against the world. Um, you know, it's not Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It's Nathan Jones versus the world. <laughs> and the problem is, is un- unlike Scott Pilgrim, you know, Nathan Jones isn't likable. Uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim is. So it, it's there's there's a big difference there. I do have a couple of positives for you. So Opta uh, analysis came out with predicted Premier League uh, final positions, and you guys have a 20.6% chance not to be in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. And you guys could still win the FA Cup and play in Europe next year. That would be fun. Let's do a Wigan. <laughs> and so it's it's fun, you know. Um We'll go and play in because FA Cup is Europa. Mm-hmm. So we'll, you know, let's go and play Marseille midweek away, and then we'll play home against Plymouth Argyle. It'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. They're top of League One right now, and let's go play the Pilgrims. And then on top of that, we're gonna go get our, you know, you know, go go sit on a sunny beach in France. <laughs> fun item is the people who guess who we drew we drew luton or grinsby town (laughs) so we will be hosting likely luton in the fifth round of the fa cup so if you want to see the nathan jones derby and i have predicted that we will lose that game and he will get fired after that (laughs) oh our irony Well, we've got a familiar face uh, from you guys in our lineup now, and that is Mr. Mario Lamina. We're falling in love with him pretty quickly. What's the scouting report for Southampton fans on him? Because I don't think you guys liked him that much, did you? Um, That was primarily due to his attitude. Um, So uh, I really wanted to take a look at the idea of Mario Lamina when he came through and I don't know how much you guys follow Southampton, but there was this manager that we had. His name was Ronald Koeman, and he was fantastic. Uh, He was probably, if not the most successful, one of the most successful managers in the history of of, even in the short time at the level of success that he was able to push. And that's because he was able to get us into Europe Europe and qualifying places. So Mario Lamina came in. Uh, in be- in between the going into the second year of Kuman's stint, and it was fantastic because well he was a record signing at the time at fifteen million pounds. Uh, he came in and he signed from Juventus, so had a real strong pedigree coming from Juventus and even then Marseille before that. Thinking, oh, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And looking at that, he came in and he thought he's going to be able to walk into the team, but guess what? He didn't. And the reason was, is I'm going to look at, I want to pull up this roster here really quick. He, I'm going to tell you who was our center midfielders on in the 16-17 window. And all the names should sound familiar to you at this time. And we are going to go with, so Mario Lamina, obviously mentioned. Oriel Romeu, who is a, a six-year starter for us consistent and uh, fantastic starter. Uh, continuing on, James Ward-Prowse, who did not quite solidify himself as a center midfield at the time. Uh, he was bouncing around a lot of times, either as an attacking midfielder, um, 
heavily used as a right midfielder as well, um, but classified technically as a center midfielder. Pierre Emil Hoiberg, uh, which I think we all know from Spurs. Uh, Steven Davis, who you may not know, but was an absolute strong uh, player who now plays for uh, Rangers. Uh, but it, yeah, he was fantastic and really built us up uh, for the championship and, and came with us and was a stalwart. And Harrison Reed, who is the current starting six for Fulham. So those are the six players that are the center midfielders at the time. So while Kuhn did play a 4-3-3, he didn't really use every any of them in that 10 role except for, for Ward-Prowse. So he couldn't walk into the team because Romeo was so good. Boyberg was signed the year before. Um, and then he got pissy because of it. He has all the talent in the world. He's a box-to-box midfielder who can make anybody look silly on his day um he's extremely physical now and while i haven't seen him when he played at nice i did follow him when he was at fulham and to me um he showed the flashes that he did when he was uh when he was at southampton and was really i mean i was fortunate to see him go because i would have loved to see him play but i wasn't i wasn't upset because we had oriel romeo pio mario hoiberg and james ward prowse really coming into his own and solidifying uh that so Who's your fourth? You know the guy who's going to have a little bit more of the attitude issues. Goodbye. See you later. Not gonna. Not gonna worry about it. Um, but overall, that he's going to have a physical presence. He's going to stabilize uh, your midfielder, and as long as he's able to, uh, uh, you know, handle the attitude and let Ruben Neves do the dirty work, he's going to come in there and he's just going to. He it's going to be like a one-two punch between the two. There, there may not be that many informed players just given the current slide with Southampton. But if you had to like envision the scenario where Southampton wins, like what does that look like? Like how do they create a threat against, against wolves on, on Saturday and who do they put out Mm. there? Well, I think giant meteor would be our best friend. It's just, (laughs) just throw it down and just leave it there. Just boom. Big old giant meteor happening. Um, that would be that not, but to be serious. So what you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna look at is the recent January signings, as nobody has really been able to become a stalwart within the last year. So let's look to the new players that they just signed. Um uh if you haven't seen it yet, there's two uh, there's two of them. Kamaldine Sulemania, he is a left winger, and the guy is super fast. We're talking speedster. Um, he he could he could basically be. This is going to sound crazy to think about, but the most likely the like person that he has is is uh, uh, is Murdoch from from Chelsea, where he has the speed and the pace, but a lot less hype, um, pre- primarily because he comes from Ren. And uh, he didn't make the Ghana. He didn't make the the Ghanaian. Uh, well, Ghana didn't make the the World Cup. So, um, in doing that, he didn't he didn't make the team. I'm sorry, never mind. He did, but they didn't. He didn't make the World Cup squad. So that was a, that's another thing. Uh, another issue with it. So taking a look at him, he came on for 45 and looked looked every bit the part that it was described, but because he had one training session was running around like a madhouse and out of position majority of the time. So if he got the ball, he looked good, but he couldn't get it. And Brentford is a, is a well-drilled machine. So 
It just didn't work out. And the second one is Paul Onoachu. Um, if you haven't seen the scouting report on him, take a look at him. He is 6'7", and he is basically a bigger and faster Peter Crouch. Uh, he is just as massive, and if you saw the uh, – as both of them walked in, Suleimania and um, and Onoachu, uh, one is 6'7", and the other is 5'9". So it's it was like a you know like you know the 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 twelve year old older brother and the, the five year old little brother walking in together as they come in and sign and have their have their big um we he's we leading, had that he's briefly leading. we had that briefly with uh, big sassy and potence <laughs> yeah five five and how big how big is sassy I think he's six seven as well yeah, yeah six seven please. Potence um, is five five so, on a good day. <laughs> Wearing um, heels better. Mm-hmm. So take a look. He's a leading scorer for Gank, um, and the leading scorer in the last four years in the Belgian uh, Super League or Premier League or I think it's called the Belgian Super League. So, um, he is a massive beast, and, and hopefully, uh, he can be able to fight against uh, Max Kilman and Craig Dawson. But I think Dawson doesn't put up with that type of stuff. Uh, now, Max Kilman, I don't know. You know, he he's really good with his feet. So hopefully he'll, you know, get low and we'll be on watch. You can just like jump over him and score one of the uh, score a header off a set piece, which we've only had one, not including the actual Ward Prowse free kicks, um, only from a corner kick or from a from a dead ball outside of a. War process. So uh, that's the hope and that's the goal. And with Nathan Jones uh, having a lot more of a direct play, uh, I don't know what I've seen the possession stats with Lobotaguis uh, with his team, but we've given up possession to every team except for Sheffield United, or excuse me, Sheffield Wednesday and um, whoever the other team was that we played in the, uh, in the, in the FA cup recently. So um so taking a look at that, yeah. So basically, only against lower Blackpool. So against lower league opposition are the only times that we've had more possession. Um, so look for a 60-40 split with you guys having the ball, and hopefully that, at least from our end, we can get some direct play with Adams linking up with Onoachu and the speedster Kemaldine Sulemania uh, running around. So it sounds like you're predicting a three nil Southampton win, right? <laughs> Uh, I will stick with what I had on our cast, and that was a 4-1 Wolves win. 4-1? If we score four goals on the road, man, I will run to Chicago with no pants on. (laughs) All right. Four goals on the road? All right. Uh, If Raul Jimenez does, he's going to score two of them as well. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to make you guys look so good. And, um, yeah, it's just pain. It's just pain right now. Um, so, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm based in the U.S. and been following the team for about a decade now. And really, it just doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good. Are you going to do uh, the yeah, podcast imagine with still? When, and, are you, are you going to do the podcast still if they're still if they're in the championship next year? That's Ray's plan. And I'll definitely do it with him. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. We'll have to have a lot more game reviews because 
uh, more games having to play starting earlier in the uh, the FA Cup. Um, and then especially since we're going to win the uh, we're going to win the FA Cup, uh, we okay. have to play in Europe. So it's going to be great. We're going to pull a Wigan. <laughs> Everything's going to be fun. Uh, that's sort of positivity. I like. <laughs> All right. If you for if if something does come back for one. OK, fine. Whatever foundation that you have for for wolves the 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 charity foundation and donate four 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 pounds ten pence to the foundation as a as a means to it okay that's what i um i when we lost nine zero uh twice um rather than you know piss and moan i did the opposite and i said all right so here's nine pounds to the the saints foundation it's something that you love and you care about and the team might be downtrodden um, but looking at the opportunities at hand, well, um, still going to support them nonetheless. It's just not going to be, it's not going to be as fun. And here in the States, uh, ESPN plus only shows one game at each window. So I may not even be able to watch all the games. Mm. Well, hopefully it's a, well, I don't know. I want to say, hopefully you avoid relegation, but that means we're right in the mix. So, uh, I hope you guys come up quicker. Well, let's go with uh, Bournemouth, Everton, and, well, I mean, I got to root against Leeds, even though they got tons of American players, and they just fired <laughs> Justin Marsh. Um, so I, I guess we'll – I guess you got to go for, you know, go for Leeds. And so well, for so us, we'll have a miracle my, run. And... With my boy over there, Weston. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez. No, it's – yeah, there's there's – having so many Americans on the team, it's a lot of fun to, it's, it is genuinely fun to watch them. And I was over in, so I was over in England in May this past year, um, right at the, the last week, the last two weeks of the, for two weeks I was there and, and uh, the, I was there for the last game of the year and I was in London and I was, li- I was staying right near Brent Brentford. So Brentford was hosting Leeds and I found, went to the Leeds bar because there was a bunch of Americans that were there that um, that I had a connection with. And so we went there and it was so much fun watching them. Um, it was so much because that was the game that they had to win to stay up. And they won and they did it. And Jesse Marsh is like running around and he's literally wearing a sweater that looks like this. Actually, it's called I call this the Jesse Marsh sweater because if you see pictures of him, it looks like uh, he's got like this silver grayish uh, sweater on. Um, but just just a just a damn good time. And but yeah, got to root against him now. So. Oh, well, sorry, Lee. <laughs> is what it is. Hey, thanks for Hung coming on, on Tim. Know. We appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. See you later. All right, guys, thanks for uh, Tim Bizance for coming on and uh, giving us some good stuff about Southampton. How we feeling? I mean, he seems to think it's going to be a bloodbath, but I'm a little worried. I mean, they're last place in the table, and this is usually the type of games that Wolves would find a way to kind of screw up, right, Justin? 
yeah, that's my worry here, right? Let down games, team, you know, play play to your opponent's level, which I mean, you say that as a 15 barely clear of the bottom three. So I can't brag like we're in the top of the half of the table for that. <laughs> but but it's just such a massive win to come off of and then to travel. Um, again, that's why I'm thinking like this is a crucial game to build momentum toward staying up and, and continuing to build stuff. So this this feels like it could be one of those like, you know, um, like trap games kind of thing, right? That mm-hmm. you just they need to come out, push hard, get a lead get another one and just then hold tight and dominate from there. Except the longer a game like this goes, the more risk you are blowing something late, giving up something late. And, and we're really good at that sometimes. So I don't want that to happen. Alex, do you think this is going to be a type of game where we really see what type of manager Lopetegui is? Yeah, uh, I think so. I, I think it can be, I think it, you know, it's important for him to emphasize, you know, that the team isn't safe, which I think, you know, I, most good managers do. And I think he's been, you know, saying all the right things in, in the press. I think even after the Liverpool game and even after some of their recent wins as of late, he just says that, you know, he's happy with the performance. The work isn't over, you know, the work isn't over. Um, and I think that if, if this, if they come out and they look as energetic and dominant as they did in the early stages of the Liverpool game, which again was at at home in a really good atmosphere, but they also helped create that atmosphere with their play. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can go and do that on the road, then I feel like it was a good reflection of the buy-in that exists with these players with him. So I, I'm absolutely hoping that this is this is one where we look back and say without Lopetegui, we wouldn't have been able to go, you know, trounce a bad team on the road to further secure our, you know, we'll go closer to securing our, our safety. So the next three games are Southampton and then Bournemouth and Fulham. Those three games, how many points would we need to get for you to be like happy, Alex? Is it seven, nine? Ooh, uh, Fulham's a tough one, man. It like, is. That is. At Fulham, too. I'm going to say s- I would be happy with seven. I, mm-hmm. I would all, I would be happy with six. Because I think a loss to either Southampton or Bournemouth will make me very unhappy. And the only mm-hmm. way to fix that would be to beat Fulham. So either way, I, t- I would say six. Not winning either of those games. I think I, then we're back in like relegation territory. And all these good vibes that we've manifested today are, are going to going to shit. So six points is my answer. Justin. Yeah, I was trying to debate if if five would be <laughs> enough if we won and then actually got, you know, points two at draws. two away matches. Yeah. Um, with the two of the three being away, that was my big thing. But again, I we're not that far up on the table. I mean, shoot, you know, Southampton, they're they're at eighteen points with a win over us and they're out of the zone almost or, or right mm-hmm. down the line, right? So it's it's not an undoable thing. But if we come away with I'm real happy if we come away with six. If we take care of business the next two weeks, I feel a little bit better if we don't pull anything out away at Fulham. So I'm I'm happy with six. I'm real happy with seven. And I'm going to pop some champagne if we pull nine. Um, <laughs> just for fun. So I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, and then when you – I saw – 
on there. People were kind of asking, he put in the next two games with Newcastle and Spurs in there as well. And I said, I think if over that five game stretch, we get eight or nine, I'd feel probably pretty good. I think. Um, cause just cause Newcastle's playing so good and it's at Newcastle. Uh, I think that's on a Friday night, right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could be interesting. Uh, Justin, any lineup changes other than, you know, taking out Hoang? You know, I think I'm going to say no, because it works, but that's why I'm not a manager because I think, you know, we talked about writing hot hand and I, I think Lopetegui would, would make a change if he felt there was a tactical need for it versus just writing a hot team that played well against Liverpool. So uh, I don't think so, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a tweak here or there, but obviously the Wang change. And I think to to the point earlier, he goes, he goes Podence to start that one. Mm-hmm. Alex, you think the same too? Even uh, eight Norian Bueno? Yeah, that's the only one I was going to mention because it felt like for a while that Bueno had solidified his position as the starting left back for the team. But I don't know what it is about Mohamed Salah being on the other side of the field. But Aitnor, he seems to really love to play against him. You know, like it's a he's, hair thing, he's, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe it is because you know Aitnor he offers a lot going forward. But I think the you know to round out his game, everybody wants more defensively. But I, I, some of his best defensive games have come in the matchups he's faced Salah in his career, um, which I, I think is really impressive. So I think I would like to see him stay in the lineup. Um, because I thought he looked really good. Yeah, Semedo to me is automatic. So yeah, I think, and and I feel like you have to go with that midfield three. It offers Wolves the ability to, to control so much of the game, to win so many balls. They felt like they were the first to every loose ball in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I also really like the idea of um, having the option, because I, th- I don't think Gomez will be in the team yet, but um, we were talking about Adama coming off the bench for very, very different reasons. I also love Moutinho off the bench. Like mm-hmm. this guy has started wait. He's amazing. He's absolutely class, but he started way too many games at his age and played way too many minutes at his age, but for 20 to 30 minute periods to bring you that experience. Yeah. And the that ball he played yeah. to Adama to yeah. set up the assists and that yeah. is like, is well, the he, way he won the ball that? too. I yeah. Mean, like, he's, he, yeah. I don't know if that's, I'm not saying it's, it's not like it doesn't happen if he's, you know, have had played 70 full minutes already, but he sure made it look easy on, on pretty fresh legs. So, uh, but keep the same midfield three. And I think Moutinho is a guy who like you could count on coming in off the bench. Same with Adama. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, we heard, uh, Tim's prediction of four, one wolves. <laughs> Seven lot. goals in two games. Can you imagine? Oh, geez. Yeah. Golly. That would be that would be insane. Especially since they had scored five up to that point. <laughs> um okay, Justin, I'll let you start off first. Uh helping out the guest spot, which is in second place in the standings. What is your <laughs> prediction? If we get a two-one win. I think two goals are doable. I think four is crazy. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I would like that. Yeah. Okay, Alex. This is a chance for you to gain three critical points on Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I need that. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 Wolves. 
less convincing than the Liverpool win, but a clean sheet and and three points. Bring it on. Let's do it. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say one nil wolves. Hmm. Just just because it's on the road. It's a little team. I I, I think we'll pull it out. So, but it's going to be, I I have a feeling it's going to get a little dicey there at the end. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a four one. <laughs> yeah. As long as we don't go, imagine going down one nil and then scoring four straight. That would be the even crazier part. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I would sign up for that. The temporary anxiety and then just euphoria being like, I can't believe we're still scoring. It's just <laughs> Okay, Alex, I think we have a lot of no stupid questions, huh? Yes, we do. Uh, all right, so no stupid questions. Your chance each week to ask us anything. It could be about the team, the lineup, uh, game day, you know, atmosphere, etc. Uh, whatever it is, you tweet them at us each week. At WLWPod is the show's Twitter handle. It's one way to reach us. Uh, hello at whole lot of wolves, uh, com is the email address if you want to send them there. So we'll start um, with... Sam Spencer, who uh, goes back to the Craig Dawson point we were talking about earlier, he asked us, with the introduction of Dawson now, if Everton go down, where does that leave Connor Cody? Because I don't think they have an obligation to buy if they go down, right? I don't think they have one anyway, so. Yeah, I still, um, I think they had the option to buy at least. I still think they'll buy him and just ask him to, to lead him back to um there i don't really know what the market would be on cody and unfortunately i just think i think his time at wolves is is over um yeah especially with dawson um coming in so my guess is he's gonna stick with everton even if they go down and um because there's not a world it's not like there's a world cup around the corner I mean, new manager too, right? So does that even fit in the plan, right? When, it's true. You know, we, when he was gone, does that, you know, it's a different thing. So, yeah. 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 And I would say no slight to Connor Cody, club legend. He's mm-hmm. probably a bit more of a championship level center half than a premier league level center half at this point. <laughs> um, in yeah, and it's tough to say because, I mean, ultimately – he was playing that position and he was captain when he led Wolves to, you know, quarterfinal appearance in Europa. Um, yeah, I I think he's, you know how in baseball out here they call guys like 4A players where it's like they're dominant yeah. <laughs> in 3A, then they get to the majors and they're okay and stuff. Um, I think he's not necessarily that 4A level, but he's he's higher than that, but... I don't think he'll ever be somebody that starts on a top four team anymore. Yeah, um, certainly. All right. Um, moving along. Uh, Stu asks, after the polo next sales has an order been placed for khaki chinos this week? I guess uh, I can address this one because I said that uh, Lopetegui's fashion was um, infiltrating my subconscious because I was buying turtlenecks out of nowhere. Um I I have some khaki chinos. I actually do need new ones. I'd like to have a couple more in the rotation. And after seeing Lopetegui rock them on the sideline, I say let's do it, man. I love the varied fashion choices of this man, as opposed to like Bruno Lage in a tracksuit, looking grumpy, 
no passion. It's just totally, totally reinvigorated like everybody. And it's kind of fun to see like what he's going to rock each week. I have to be honest. He dresses for the occasion, which I can appreciate. Man, I, I, I cannot wear khakis without pleats in a man it just looks it it, it <laughs> like hugs a little too tight in areas <laughs> fair enough um <laughs> unless uh unless justin you have anything to add on uh on lopetegi swag i i know i know thanks to that i've been noticing more um something i was tracking <laughs> early on uh but very very noticeable the the cody had this weekend and or, you know last weekend and such too yeah it's pretty funny. <laughs> if if you guys were managing, what would you wear? That's something I always wondered because I think I would I'm a big comfort guy. So like as much as I want to say I would be like Lopetegi, I feel like I would rock the tracksuit. But for big <laughs> matches, I would go I, I I think I would dress up. And like Europe, let's say, like if that were ever the case, suit. I think that would just Ooh. be so fun. What do you okay, okay? So when you create a manager in FIFA, what do you wear? Uh, yeah. So usually I'll go with, I, I wish they had some more options to be quite honest <laughs> with you. Um, because I, I feel like I would go with a sweater over a shirt and mm-hmm. then like the casual dress pant mm-hmm. with like, uh, in the game, they just call them like runners or trainers, like nice, trainers. Yeah. comfortable shoes, not, quite dress shoes so we're we're pretty close there alex so i always go with the just you know the tennis shoes uh jeans usually um um the sweater underneath the or on top of the shirt except i always make sure it's a pink collared shirt you know just to really stand (laughs) out and then i always gotta rock the fedora man alabama fan (laughs) oh yeah you gotta rock that fedora I used to have Fedora Fridays at my uh, job in Houston. So every Friday I'd come in rocking a new Fedora. Oh, wow. So you have a, you must have quite a few of them then. Yeah. Yeah. I got about eight or so. Yeah. Oh man. I'll be, I'll be buying one if, uh, Oh my God. If, if Lopetegui comes out, which I don't think he would come out, but if he came out in a Wolves Fedora, that'd be it. (laughs) You're nuts. Yeah, it'd be it would be heading straight to the wolf shop store. How about you, Justin? Does your guy have hair? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to, right? It's enviously, right? Uh, <laughs> live through my avatar. Uh, yeah, and I would, I would go, I would probably skew into the Burhalter with the shoe game. Like, I would probably like rock a set of different shoes for every game, and I would go heavy into said sponsorship of. Nike or whoever the club was, right into that because I I would be in the in the casual shoes in a real life, and then I, I I pretty much I think I would just go Ted Lasso style, right? Yeah, it's the sweater over the collar, mm-hmm. khaki tie pants, and then just probably some version of Nike shoes. I think that's where I would lean into and what I would go if it was me. God, we're so <laughs> fucking American, aren't we? Right? No kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would like the, the sweater with the uh, you know I know the collar underneath. <laughs> Nice quarter zip. I could do a quarter zip. Yeah, quarter zip. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I could definitely go for a zip. this. Um yeah, I don't <laughs> I I think the suit would be fun for like a big thing, but man, like I couldn't get like worked up and do stuff in a suit. I feel like I don't know. I mean, I guess you watch like college basketball, like yeah, college basketball coaches and 
those guys do that too and stuff. The ones you still wear that, but that's just screaming at somebody in a suit. I don't know if that, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Okay. Two yeah, I, two other two other questions with this. Would you get your middle name, your middle initial on the tracksuit or on the stuff? Mm-hmm. So your three initials or just first and last name? Middle. I'd go all three. Yeah. I'd monogram the crap out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Alex? I, I think I'm going three as well. Yeah. I like that. Okay. And then what, since he's not here to defend himself, what is Paul wearing on the sidelines? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I think Paul would be like a polo type guy. I don't know. I got a feeling. Yeah. I don't see him in a suit. Yeah, what does Paul wear normally? You've seen him in person, I guess. (laughs) I've never seen him. He usually, (laughs) when I see him, he's usually wearing a Wolves jersey or a short sleeve polo shirt. So. Yeah, uh, I see him in a lot of polos on on Zoom, like yeah. in the pod. But that might also just be like the generic thing you throw on at work with sweatpants underneath. What you know to be on Zoom, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> so maybe he'd be a comfort guy. I know he's an athletic guy, doing a lot of athletic things on the weekends, mm-hmm. right? I saw he ran True. like a half marathon recently or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe he would be our tracksuit guy. Yeah, pretty- oh, he might be the tracksuit. Oh yeah, I could do that. Yeah, mm, interesting custom made maybe because uh he's he's, he's quite tall, tall right yeah yeah. yeah he's tall <laughs> he's tall um all right well great question from uh Stuart. <laughs> we definitely got off the rails on that one i knew this <laughs> i knew at some point this would get off the rails without paul and here we are no stupid questions yeah i feel like that should be everybody's goal and no stupid questions is just say something that would completely derail the show that's um it's kind of what it's all about uh, let's see if we will go in as many directions with this as we did with Sue's question from Brian Donnelly um, <laughs> from Charlotte Wolves, frequent guest on the show. What should we call the religion that should be founded to venerate our Lord and Savior, Ruben Nevis? <laughs> <laughs> if you well, had it's got to be religion, I something, right? Oh, uh, oh. man. Let's see. The, so, what is it? The um, all seen. The all seen. Um, the all-seeing messiah Ooh, maybe. <laughs> yeah wait, wait, well yeah what do we need what's the name of the religion it's got to be in the spirit of that celebration right yeah yeah horse yeah, horse is the eye god for egypt i don't know like that logo that's the eye oh yeah um oh god yeah, we're gonna night. offend so many people here i know, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tricky one <laughs> I, I like to celebrate yeah, go ahead. Go. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. Sorry, Justin. I don't want to cut off our guest here. <laughs> no, no. I, I was going to say, I, w- I was thinking more like the hair bun, if there was something to do in that, like the man bun. Thinking of something oh, like that. yeah. I like the celebration, but I was thinking the man bun. Like, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, that would definitely be all the followers would have man buns. Ma- yeah, totally. right. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man mm-hmm. buns and like sleeve tattoos. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel like that. that's a pretty. <laughs> But I, I don't know. Uh, I was gonna go. the The celebration is after Pirlo, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, the eye Let's of just Pirlo. Go with Pirloism, something simple. Yeah. Like just throw ism <laughs> at the end of something. Yeah, the and it could sound like there. a yeah. Like uh, it could sound like a religion. Maybe. Wonder boyism. <laughs> Are they yeah. called the Nevites? Like the Nevites? Is that is, is that the yeah yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm down with that. <laughs> and their strongest belief is. Uh, just to 
I don't know. Score worldies. The strongest belief is if your um if your shoe gets pulled off, it's definitely a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that. The founding principles of there you uh, go. The the bigger question is what would the bigger question is what would Marcus Rashford's church steal from uh, Neves's (laughs) (laughs) everything. Yeah, everything. And then all the Man U fans would be like, "No, he did it first." Man. He did it first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ashford is so very like a religion. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 yeah, it's just yeah. like religion. That's cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Oh. All right. Um, yeah, let's avoid getting in trouble, and we can move. Fair on. point. Yeah. Um, to Nick's question, who asked us on Twitter, "Are the Wolves ever going to wear their away or third jerseys?" Don't get me wrong; I love the gold, but let's see how the teal looks. This must be a thing because last year, I I really liked the away kit that was kind of black. And they never freaking wore that thing like ever. <laughs> the only time I can think of them wearing an away kit fairly often was when they had the black pinstripe one, mm-hmm. uh, which was fantastic. But they were also playing in Europe then, which played into it. Mm-hmm. I love the golds as well, but yeah, they wear them too much. I would like to see, you know, some some variants like. You got away jerseys. Why would you wear them when you're on the road? (laughs) Now, granted, I was okay with the one that was the blue, you know, oh yeah, the cloudy shit show one. Um, I was fine. They didn't wear that one. And and what's funny is the third jerseys are usually the better ones of the uh, between that and the away. But yeah, it's wear your away jerseys at least some of the away games. I don't know. Yeah, I I thought they were. I when before I saw what they were wearing. Uh, against Liverpool, I thought they were gonna. I thought the club did like a twenty percent off sale on the third shirt, and I was like, they must be wearing them this weekend or something. Mm. But I, I guess not. They're just trying to move them. Um, yeah, I, I like the I like the away. I like the full. I mean, I don't mind the white, but I like the away the colors. Although, isn't I thought there was something that last time they had that color pattern, they were relegated. And I don't. Mm. And yeah, I thought I saw something at the beginning of the season that the style that that's mimicked off of. I think it was the Goodyear sponsor at the time was very similar and they were actually relegated that year so i don't know if they're trying to stay away from it since they've been fighting it all season i don't know weird omen stuff but <laughs> if I, months ago about that, i remember reading that i mean i don't even know why we have three jerseys it's just it's kind of silly really yeah um, i mean we gotta pay for something <laughs> yeah i guess so and that's another reason why we've talked about it how they need to have the mls style where it's like every other year you're changing home Change and then on the mm-hmm. reverse cycle, it's the away and you can throw in, you know, a third Jersey every year. So that way you're only having two jerseys that you're switching instead of three a year. I think yeah. that would be very, Although MLS think, is allowing that now, right? If you have yeah. sales thresholds, you can have the third. They're allowing yep. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if maybe wolves, uh, not suffer, but they, it's, it's caused by, um, the fact that they have such a distinct, home color there's not a lot of that because like doesn't isn't or isn't the choice on who's wearing what often made just based on like the likelihood of it clashing with the other jersey and also like they factor in like color blindness and stuff like that like yeah it doesn't clash with like anyone else in the league (laughs) I, i think what the rule is is that home kit is given preference the only time you would wear something different is when it clashes like that. And so it was mm-hmm. like always against Watford, you knew they'd wear yeah. the away kits. 
Um, but yeah, any other times? I mean, I, I think sometimes on Liverpool on the road, they would wear, you know, a, a different kit. But what have we have we worn the away kits? This I year? don't think we have. Uh, we've worn the third jersey, I think, once or twice. We did. Yeah, the white. Yeah, that seems impossible I, if they haven't won it once this season. But maybe I mean I don't remember. I don't, it was early if they did. Muddy grab, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to root for uh, Watford to get promoted. I think they oh, are in no. a promotion place. I hate, no, I hate no. Watford. Oh, I hate yeah, Watford. Yeah. Is Troy Deeney still there? It's SOB. No, um, he left. He left. Yeah. He's like, or no, I, I, he's playing somewhere. Um, anyway, all right. One more, uh, no stupid question. <laughs> this is from uh, Joshua Buckley. That sounds familiar. Um, do, does do you want to ask this one, or should I ask it for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, Justin. How would you pronounce this? W Y C O M B E. Wycombe. Yeah, see, it's closer to me than to the rest. <laughs> So I said Wakambi. I said Wakambi because of the Wanderers. Uh, but apparently it's Wickham. Oh dang! Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So uh, yeah, we 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 got into this uh, last week when <laughs> Kim Campbell was loaned out to Wickham Wanderers, and uh, Paul Paul was giving Josh quite a bit of stick for. Oh yeah, Wakambi. and I heard it. I heard it from Stu too online. I said, uh, "Wakambi forever." The the other funny thing Stu pointed out, Stu from the fan cast pointed out, was that I was said, "Why are these Gomez shirts not available until June?" And oh, then he yeah. circled it and pointed out, "Yeah, it's because you Americans write the date wrong. It was actually oh. February second, six <laughs> slash two slash twenty three. It's just you know." In our great country of ours, <laughs> we have to be different and flip it. So, yeah, I, got, is, I was like, boy, my Americanness sh- definitely showed. <laughs> not, not that I'm on a tangent, enough, but you saw the 9-11 thing that happened with that this past, last year, right? Oh, yeah. Like, no. Something. Yeah. OK, so the week is in reverse. And yeah. it's like, so it's an easy, easy mistake if you don't know or don't remember one way or the other. Things can happen like that. So don't feel bad yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was pretty confused when you said it wasn't shipping till June. But also, I have had some stuff from the Wolf Store take <laughs> forever, really, really long to ship. That I was, I actually just believed you right away. <laughs> I never would have thought to question. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I know, I know it's not easy to get stuff overseas, but uh, some yeah, order early if you're ordering from the states <laughs> from the from the store. Don't forget um, about us. Yeah, that's all the no stupid questions uh, this week. Thanks everybody for sending them in and uh, continue to do so every week. You could set us off on all kinds of tangents at WLW pod on Twitter. We need more of the hide and seek ones. Well, that was good. Todd, Todd always comes up with good ones. All right, Justin, how can uh, anybody get a hold of you if they're wanting to watch a Wolves game with you in Tennessee? Yeah, uh, T-E-N-N Wolves at gmail.com. I had a couple of folks reach out over the past few weeks. So, again, appreciate being on here and chatting with you guys and as people reach out and join in the group. So, uh, yeah. yeah, T-E-N-N Wolves. Alex, do you know Paul's outro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could definitely copy and paste it in. No. Uh, <laughs> um, 
It'd be and like, you... uh, I, and this is the time. Thank you, dear listeners, for uh, listening. Be sure and uh, you know subscribe and rate us five stars for the fantastic job uh, that we all do. Um, and yeah, up the wolves. I'm sure he says other stuff too, but up the mighty wolves. <laughs> Sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> Just as eloquent. <laughs> Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.